Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Tony Bradley tries to tap the rebound out, but it goes to Rudy Gay. Left wing white for three. Quick release. Got it. And the Jazz are down by eight. 63-55 as Donovan hits Donovan hits the free throw. Here's DeRozan. Pull up mid-range jumper left side is good. DeMar DeRozan is getting to whatever spot he wants with no resistance, and he can't miss. DeRozan at the top. Swings to Bellinelli. Back to DeRozan, six on the clock. He's going one-on-one on O'Neal. He works to his spot on the right baseline. He fades back. He hits. DeMar DeRozan, 35. Jazz down seven. <laughs> Austin just can't deal with the fact that uh, he thinks I'm right. Waldo uh, Statler here. Why, why, why is Austin so freaking mean? I don't know. He is in a bad mood. He's, he's, he's grouchy today. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, it's, it's, yeah. I, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to this pleasant story of the day. Let's start with the Jazz. Uh, not oh terrific boy. last night against the Spurs. Gordon, 127-120 to 120 is your final. Donovan Mitchell did have 31 points. Went to the line 10 times, which was good. But uh, perimeter defense, Gordon, let's start here because you've seen this coming for a while now. Perimeter defense is a serious issue. And I get back to something that uh, Rudy Gobert said two games ago where they let Houston get to their spots. That's exactly what happened again with San Antonio. Exactly. And those guys were perfectly aware of it. And they replicated the same thing, the same problem for the Jazz. And the Jazz cannot allow a team to shoot 56% and then send them to the free throw line because they foul them instead of playing defense. This is backward. This is exactly what Quinn Snyder doesn't want his team to do. And they better come around to it because other teams are going to catch on to this and they're going to do the same thing. Now, I don't know if every team can do that, but some of the better teams can. And it's becoming a real problem for the Jazz. This perimeter defense, when teams have a a five who can be a threat from the outside and draw Rudy out, the Jazz have to figure out a way to stop these guys from shooting, uh, getting clean looks. And I know DeRozan is a fine player. He's not that good. I know Eric Gordon is a fine player, but he ain't that good. The Jazz made him look that way. Well, and San Antonio got 42 mid-range shots because they were easy shots. And they yeah. were knocking them down, especially to Rosen and, and to your point on fouling. And we talked a little bit about this, Jake, in the past. Uh, have the Jazz gotten to the point where their offense is so good, and it's been the best offense in the league for quite a while now, uh, to, so they can negate this. Uh, Austin, I think you asked that question yesterday, didn't you? And, and we got an answer last night that the offense could not keep up. And shoot that well, but I mean that's you're creating poison for yourself. They shoot forty four percent last night in that game, and look look at their their primary shooters Bogdanovich six of sixteen. You know that's not particularly efficient. As you mentioned, Donovan Mitchell nine of twenty. Clarkson was uh, seven of fourteen, so that worked out all right. Niang one of four. That's not good enough. Ingles three of eight. 
Uh, and Mike Conley, and that's a whole other subject that we need to address at some point, three of eight as well. So the Jazz shoot 44%. The Spurs shoot 56%. It's not too difficult to figure out who's going to win that game on that team's home floor. Gordon, I want to um, uh, revisit an opinion I had a couple of years ago. Remember when... Um Remember when Rudy, this is two years ago, Donovan's first year, Rudy got hurt during December and was out for a really tough stretch of basketball. And I thought that Rudy being out, never, while never a good thing, maybe they could parlay it into a good thing because they were having perimeter defense issues. And I think that, and this is kind of a side effect of Rudy, I think he almost creates bad habits sometimes yeah, because he, he erases so much when he's on that you can get beat or not play something right or be a little bit sloppy and you're not going to pay for it. And when Rudy came back, I didn't think it was any coincidence that they went on that big run, partially due to the fact that all of a sudden the perimeter defense had a lot better habits because they had to live without Rudy for a while. And then you throw Rudy back into that mix, and all of a sudden they're the best defense in the league. I wonder, because the Jazz are not dominant defensively from an athletic position. You know, they're not the Clippers. Right. They're, they have to be smart and focused and all these words that Team that defense has the, to be there. The whole thing. And I wonder if when these these teams are bringing Rudy out of the paint, if all of a sudden these bad habits that have all of a sudden developed because Rudy's been there are, are exposed. And they're going to have to figure out how to not play. They're going to have to play on a string every night because pe- other teams are going to do this, or at least try. And as I say, I think some of the better teams, some of the teams that Jazz will face in the playoffs are certainly capable of doing it. And so they've got to get, like you said, figured out. And the, uh, this is one of the great mysteries to me. Uh, take Jordan Clarkson, for instance. Guy is a flat scorer, right? If he is athletic enough to get shots for himself, shouldn't he be athletic enough to play good defense? Donovan Mitchell can get shots for himself. He's athletic enough. Jumps out of the gym. All that stuff. Should he not be a better defensive player than he is look i love donovan mitchell and i think he's a terrific presence on the jazz we have heard him say over and over again i got to play better defense i got to play better defense that's my goal i have to do it yep you have to do it and right now i'm not seeing it so much and that's true for almost all the jazz perimeter everybody but rudy gobert yeah and royce o'neill you know he's He's maybe better than average on the team, but he's getting beat too. Well, he certainly did last night. And a lot of this is effort. I mean, beating beating a player to the spot that they want to go to is just as simple. Get them off their spot. So much about basketball is that or so much about good defenses. Is that's that's an effort and focus thing, and that, you're right. I mean, Royce O'Neal is a good defensive player, but he's not overwhelming anybody athletically. He can guard a lot of different positions, but you know, if, if if he's going one on one for some with somebody, he's vulnerable at times. Or he certainly looked like he was last night. They, I think they're just going to have to figure a lot of this stuff out and just be more focused. And Donovan Mitchell is capable of more. Jordan Clarkson, I don't think, is giving you any more defensively. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, we've never ever seen it before, so I don't expect it to do start you have, now. Do you, a, do you have an answer for my initial question? What? Why? Yeah. Um, I think it probably differs with, uh, like, like Carlos Boozer was dominant offensively at times, but nobody could accuse him of that defensively. Was that a try issue? Was that a physical issue? Because he was limited when it came to lateral quickness. Yeah, that's true. You know, is Jordan Clarkson, 
is is he limited when it comes to moving laterally? I mean, I I don't we could we could break down the physical traits, but then there's also that kind of scores mentality where, you know, defense might not be his highest priority. Well, if guys are going to have to sacrifice more of their energy at the defensive end, and if it's going to come at a cost of some of their offensive efficiency, is it worth it? For the very reason that I talked about earlier, the question Austin brought Well, yes. If you ask Quinn Snyder, he's going to tell you yes. But the problem is, is that the problem, or the problem was, was the bench was so bad at scoring the basketball that you plug Jordan Clarkson and you say, geez, fill, fill this role. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if you guard anybody. It well, makes no that, difference. That's I mean, going to have can't, to change. Well, but what, how, it's not because you have to have him in that role. There's, there's no other option. You cannot discipline Jordan Clarkson for not playing defense but by taking him out it, of the rotation. What good does it do to have, uh, to have him scoring at the other end if he's just going to give up points at the other end? Because we saw what they were like <laughs> without him, and that's that they played neither offense nor defense. Yeah. So well, it's I, a it's a real issue right now. And I mean, I, Mike Conley is is not uh, as gifted defensively right now as Emmanuel Mudiay, but you got to play Mike Conley. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm he's not going to play wonder. tonight. He's out with some right knee soreness, but yeah, you do. I'm I'm starting to wonder. I, I haven't come to a conclusion yet because we, you and I have said all along that Quinn is coaching this team for the postseason. And uh, not for necessarily for a win on any given night, but okay, while we're young. But the fact remains. You know, we're waiting. The fact remains that if the Jazz are going to be elite, Mike Conley has to, they have to figure it out. He has to, I'm not, and we talked about this earlier this week, I think, obviously it wasn't last week, uh, but that maybe it doesn't have to be 20 and 8, Mike Conley, or 21 and 8, Mike Conley. But you you got to get something out of him. I mean, he's got to be he's he's got to contribute. But so. he's got to play some defense. Well, is he going to grow? Because that's <laughs> going to make it difficult unless he's six five tomorrow. So they got to they, they have to figure it out. Have to. Yeah. Uh, I see players come down and set screens. Uh, opponents for the Jazz set a screen, and that frees up the 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 the, the shooter. And the Jazz have to have someone help on time. Uh, that rotation has to happen in a more clean manner than it has been happening. Because yeah. he's, I mean, like we said, Eric Gordon and then DeRozan last night. I mean, it's too easy, too easy and too painful. And then the Jazz fall behind and they can't seem to catch up. Because what do they always say? We've heard this a thousand times from Jazz players themselves. That when you get behind, the only way to get back is to play defense, right? And I'm not a defense wins championships kind of guy. I understand you got to have got to put the ball in the basket too, but this is getting the last two games have revealed a real a real problem area for the Jazz that needs to be addressed either with mentality, with smarts, with timing, with connectivity, as Quinn likes to say. Or with more athleticism. And the way that Jazz are going to do it, I don't know. Tom Homo had the Super Secret Media Summit today. He does it twice a year, gets everybody together and fire questions at him, and he'll hang out as long as you want him to. Uh, I, I didn't check how, lo- how late uh, this, how long this version went. It usually goes like an hour and a half. Yeah. You've been down there before, peppering Tom with questions. Uh, I have Tom's cell phone. Uh, number. On oh, good phone. for you. I mean, so I don't you know don't need this. Secret 
BS is. You but, don't need uh, to go to the uh, media summit to get uh, access to Tom. Well, I see. No, no, it's good information. I'm Text glad. Tom right now. Just uh, say, hey, hey hope you're having Gordon a nice Mas- day. You want me to? Sure. Just say, oh. hey, Tom, just. I don't want to mock the process just, here. Well, you're not mocking anything. You just say, hey, pal. Hope you're having <laughs> a nice day. <laughs> hey, buddy. All right, the big news, and we can get into more uh, of uh, what Tom Homo covered uh, a little bit later on in the show. But this is kind of the big news today, uh, talking about uh, ESPN or the official announcement of the new deal with ESPN. It is done. It is done. It's a new seven-year deal, which, of course, we basically know nothing about, other than if a a conference affiliation comes about in the next seven years, there is an opt-out clause in the contract. He did say that. Okay. But we don't know how much they're making. We don't, and that's wouldn't you like to know? I kind of would like to know, to be honest. And then uh, they also announced the bowl agreements, and they've uh, Tom Homo wanted to announce this at the same time, and he said actually the media rights agreement was an easier negotiation than it was to get this uh, this bowl agreement taken care of. But the the bowl agreement is very interesting. But let's hear Tom Homo here talk about it for a second. All right. I feel really good about it. I've felt really good about it. We've been in discussions for a couple of years. And when I say that, it's not like they we spend hours a day on it. But um, we knew it was coming up, and we wanted to address it early, and we started early. Um, we've had um, meetings at games where we just happened to be at, you know, with the, some of their principals. We've had a lot of things over the airway, I mean, over the uh, emails. We've had calls. And through that time, we were able to come to a really good um, agreement. And I like it. It's what we expected it to be. I think it's what they expected it to be. There wasn't a lot of wranglings, but came out where we feel we are able to progress these next number of years and do the things that we need to with ESPN on our, in, our, in our side. How does that impact independence? You can't do it without it. Absolutely, there's no way. I, you know, and people say maybe you could have gone with. Could you could have, could you have gone with another uh, a broadcast company? Yeah, sure. I, I, people are able to do amazing things now in broadcast, but we wanted to do it with ESPN. ESPN was, you know, is uh, the sports leader. I have believed it years ago. I believe it now, and I think it's going to be, you know, going forward that it's going to be the same way. All right, there you go. Talking about the new deal. Uh, now, the TV rights agreement we just know is for the next seven years. Here's the deal with the Bulls, Gordon. Uh, ESPN will provide a bowl tie-in for BYU in 2020, 2022, and 2024 if they're not selected to participate in a New Year's Six game. Uh, and then in the other years, actually, it's a, it's kind of a two-and-a-half, maybe three-year deal with the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. Uh, they'll appear in 2021 and 2025 versus a Conference USA opponent and 2023 versus a Pac-12 opponent. However, there's an opt-out in that deal if they get into the Cheez-It Bowl in Arizona, interestingly enough. But you got to imagine Tom's probably talked to the Cheez-It Bowl, and they've said if they don't get a representative from the Pac-12 or Big 12, they'd think about BYU. And uh, Tom seemed pretty confident that that'll happen at least once. So he said that the bowl negotiation was trickier than the than the media rights. Yeah, which I, I found kind of interesting. Yeah, actually. I did too. Uh, but this sounds about what you would expect, right? I mean, there's there's no bombshell there one way or the other. I, I think that's about what you would expect BYU's opportunity to be. All right, so think about this for a second, though. I think this is pretty savvy on Tom's part, this, this bowl agreement. 
And seriously, tell me if you think I'm up in the night. Okay. But Tom probably has been listening for years at the criticism of independence being, oh, you either go undefeated or you know you're going to Boise or you know you're going to Hawaii because they've had these agreements hammered out, you know, in advance, right? Well, in this situation with the ESPN Bowls, they could go to any of the ESPN Bowls. So if they have a good year, they could technically get a better bowl game. Yeah. And even with the, the Independence Bowl bids, they have the opt-out for that Cheez-It Bowl. You still have more to play for. Yeah. So this feels to me like Tom's responding to one of the criticisms of Independence, and maybe it's not you know, the perfect solution, but at least you're playing for a little bit better bowl game or higher exposure or better destination as opposed to, well, guess we're going to the... Whatever bowl they've had deals with in right. the past, the Poinsettia Bowl uh-huh. or the, the Miami Beach Bowl or whatever. It's and been. we don't know whether the end result will be any better than it was before, but at least it's got something it built into it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. So I, I haven't heard, about, heard anybody talk about that today, but I thought, well, that's, that's Tom responding. He's saying, okay, I'll work out a better deal with ESPN when it comes to the Bulls so that they can possibly give us better destinations if we have better seasons. And that way it's not undefeated or bust. Right. And maybe there's a, a better a better game or better matchup, a better payday in there somewhere. Yeah, I think uh, that's exactly right. And we've talked a lot in the past about motivation for BYU's players. Right. What do they have to play for? Right. Well, that has been addressed at least a little bit. I mean, it's still not a conference championship, obviously, but it's, uh, it's something. It's something. And why wouldn't you have that opportunity? It seems like with BYU's relationship with ESPN, that that's sort of a no-brainer. That you would be able to, if BYU's having a stellar year, but not stellar enough to be in a New Year's Six Bowl, and you're ESPN and you have all these bowl games, why wouldn't you want to elevate that team? It's a team you've been providing airtime to all season long. Why wouldn't you want to give them a good opportunity at that point? That helps on both sides of the equation. It helps, you know, BYU's games when they're on ESPN, and ESPN knows that this team has a potential to go to a better bowl game. So it works on that end, and then it works on the other end where you're going to a better bowl game that happens to be run by ESPN. Stay tuned. Sam Amick next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.